0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Bell Ringer podcast hosted by Sixers Wire of USA Today Sports Media Group. I am your host, the editor of the Sixers Wire site, Kai Carlin. I got my co-host with me, my guy, Cameron Fields. Cam, what's going on, man? Hey, what's up, Kai?
1: Man, I was just getting back to some video game reporting last night. Ben Simmons playing in the war zone they did all right but you know didn't beat chad johnson and uh, the florida mutineers
0: yeah i saw ben took an l in call of duty last night but here's the thing though guys today we have a very special guest a former teammate of actually of ben simmons actually former 76er guard and current indiana pacer guard tj mcconnell he's on with us today tj what's going on man i'm doing well man thank you guys for having me absolutely We we uh we actually thank you a lot for taking time out of your day to join us real quick so we're just going to kind of dive right into it, man. I got to ask you first. I mean, do you miss Philadelphia at all? And really, what has your first season in in Indiana been like?
2: I think I'm always going to miss Philadelphia. I spent four great years there. Um, Me and my wife made a lot of memories and met a lot of people and had a lot of great things happen on and off the court for us in Philadelphia. So I think I think we will always have a love and miss Philly a lot. And, you know, my this season in Indianapolis playing for the Pacers, you know, it's, it's been, it's been great. And, you know, I, I was actually really nervous because I had spent my first four years in the NBA in Philadelphia, obviously, but I knew the Indiana Pacers what they were about talking to them in free agency, their fan base. Um, I thought it was, it was honestly a perfect fit and um, we're having a great year and I'm extremely happy here.
1: TJ, I mean, yeah, like you said, your first four years in the NBA in Philly really built a base for yourself there. How has your role in Indiana been different compared to your role in Philly, um, if at all?
2: You know, I I kind of, I, I don't really think it, it changed much, you know, kind of towards the end um, in Philly, you know, I kind of got relegated to the bench and, and that's obvious I wasn't playing. But kind of just the same thing I I did in Philly, I do in an Indy and come off, create create some energy, create pace, get my teammates the ball, um, shoot when I'm open, you know, run a team. And this organization really values that. And I'm not saying the Sixers didn't, but, um, you know, it's, you know, I'm happy and proud to be a pacer and, and, um, and really enjoying the year that we're having.
0: Uh, TJ, I, I got to ask you, is there one big memory that stands out about your time with the Sixers? And do you have a favorite process story, you know, during the process era that like, kind of comes to your mind? Um, The thing
2: for me that I always think about is, you know, obviously the losing the first two years. Obviously, the first year was rougher than the second year, but um, kind of running out of the tunnel when we're playing Miami in the first round. Um, I think that was my third year and kind of just thinking about where we had started and where we're at, where we were at at that point, just to come all that way. It's, it was awesome. And, and the fan base stuck with us through it all. Um, it was great. And, you know, a process story, one doesn't really stick out. Um, obviously the buzzer beater against the, the Knicks um, will always be in my mind. It, it, it was, um, you know, my second year and, and we were trending in the right direction and, and, and it was just a, a pretty cool moment um, in my career for me.
0: Now, if there was one thing you could uh, go back and do differently, I mean, is there anything that like you would change or, about your time in Philly or anything? Yeah, um, I would make sure that that
2: shot by Kawhi Leonard didn't go in. <laughs> um, if, the, if I were to change one thing, um, it would definitely be that. Fair enough, TJ, fair enough.
1: Hey, TJ, so, you know, during the quarantine, um, you're home more than usual. Has there been a thing that you like to do during your spare time, uh, the free time that you
2: have more than often now? Yeah, so um, me and my wife are obviously spending um, a lot more quality time, which NBA players don't really get that throughout the season. And it's been great spending extra time with her. And, you know, we found a gym to drive out to in um, Indianapolis. of a season ticket holder and, um, shooting out there and she's rebounding. So it's been a nice little routine for us to go out there and spend more time. And, um, she's kind of been able to see how I work behind the scenes. Um, she hasn't always seen that before. So it, it's been pretty cool to, to do that with her.
1: That sounds awesome, man. Um, you know, just getting back potentially to the swing of things in the middle of July, uh, your current playoff matchup as it stands right now is the Miami heat. So what do you think of that matchup um, if the NBA was to go right into the playoffs?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's not like there's a home court advantage because, you know, I think the season will be played in Orlando, if, if anything. That's what I'm reading, at least, and hearing. So anytime you play Miami, it's going to be a tough physical game and to put that into the first team to win four games um it's going to be a tough and physical series and and that's the way we play too so i just expect it to, to, to be tough and and grinded out type games
0: now tj uh in that scenario you will be facing off with a former teammate uh in jimmy butler uh jimmy has been outspoken on his relationship with um you know coach brett brown in the past and uh, you were actually mentioned on JJ Reddick's podcast uh, when Jimmy was actually talking about the infamous meeting in Portland uh, when, you know, it got reported that Jimmy and Brett got into like a crazy, you know, shouting match. What, what is the, uh, first of all, how, how did that meeting go like in, in your eyes? And, and two, uh, if, if there was one word to describe Jimmy and Brett's relationship, you know, uh, what would it be?
2: Yeah. So it, it wasn't a screaming match at all. Um, okay it was a conversation about how can we make our team better? And it was from both sides. I thought it was a great talk. And, you know, it's just funny because every NBA player, like they want, they want more like you're a competitor. You want more. Like, did I, did I want extra ball screens? Like, of course, but that's not my role. Like that wasn't my role at the time. So I understood that. And, And I, and, and Brett and Jimmy's relationship, that was their business. We never, I never really went out of my way to see their relationship. I I think that's between those two. I kind of just put my head down, uh, worked really hard and, and my famous line, just do whatever I could to help our team win. I think that's between those two.
0: Fair enough. Absolutely. It is a fair, fair point. Another thing I wanted to ask you, TJ, I mean, a lot of people like to criticize uh, Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid, you know, for various different reasons. Simmons, oh, he won't shoot. Uh, Joe's always out of shape. Uh, oh, they definitely can't play together. We need to be, they need to be broken up. And, and, and why do you think that is? And, I mean, like, do you think that criticism is, is fair, like, like in, in any uh, sense of the word?
2: So I look at it as, like, when you're a great talent, like a great player, like those two are, you're going to face criticism. People are going to nitpick your game no matter what it is. I, do I think it's fair? Absolutely not. Ben gets triple doubles, like, easily. Like, he's an all-star. One of the best point guards in the league. I just it, – and it's like he's got to just kind of block out the noise and keep doing what he's doing. I, I think it's I think it's unfair, and he's a great player. And with Joel, like, I think he is the most dominant big in our game today and from inside and out. So, I mean I, – like I said, do I think the criticisms, criticisms are fair? No, but it comes with the territory of being a great player.
0: Uh, do, do you think it is fair, though, to, to say that, that, you know, maybe Ben does be, uh, need to come back or at least show some type of semblance of a jump shot? Or do you, or do you think that maybe that's just a little kind of overblown just because he does everything else at such an elite level? Yeah, I mean, I think you said it. He does everything at such an elite
2: level, um, and, and that's what that's what happens. People are going to nitpick the one thing that you struggle with. And he works and works and works at it. And that's all you can really ask for. And like I said, he is elite at just about everything else. Um, he runs a team gets people involved. He can defend and there's no such thing as a perfect player. Um, but he, he's been great up to this point, and he's continuing to work, and that's all you can really ask for. TJ, you know, with uh,
1: more certainty surrounding, you know, when the NBA season can, season can potentially come back, what are some of your teammates saying just about, you know, the different sites, you know, Orlando being a uh, very possible spot and then, you know, possibly Las Vegas as well for the West?
2: Yeah, honestly, um, with talking to the guys, I think if it's safe to play – we just want to play um, just to kind of finish the season and, 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 and crown a champion and, and, get, and get back to some semblance of normalcy. Um, you know, it's as simple as that. I think if, it's, if there's a chance that we can play safely, it's as simple as that. We want to play. Yeah, for sure.
1: And, then, yeah, just going back to that Kawhi Leonard shot, um, something that, you know, you would do differently, what were your first thoughts Um, that you had when that
2: shot went in it bounced around you know honestly um, you know it's no secret that I didn't play pretty much the whole playoffs I mean I played the first game against the Nets and then I don't I don't think I played very much after that but when that shot went in um, for me and, and I'm just being honest the thought popped in my head was was that the last time I'm gonna put a Sixers uniform on. And it was an unsettling feeling because I hadn't been anywhere else, but that's the first thought that popped in
0: my head. Wow. Uh, all right, TJ, we're gonna end it off with some rapid fire questions. You ready? Absolutely. All right, man, what's your favorite song? Uh, I
2: can't answer that. Why not? Uh, I, don't, I don't really have a favorite song. Um, I just kind of listen to what's on the radio and what's popular.
0: Fair enough. I do the same thing, so it's all uh, cool. 40. <laughs> uh favorite movie favorite
2: movie um probably uh
0: the avengers um Endgame. all right then all right the, the greatest movie ever created <laughs> um all right tj xbox or playstation
2: well i have a playstation so i'm gonna go with playstation
0: hey right. what hey what did i tell you kai you know what? I mean, TJ, Cam, actually, uh, when I sent him over the questions for you for today, he said he's definitely uh, he said TJ's definitely going to play, uh, say, PlayStation. So, uh, Cam, I'm, you were correct. <laughs> I'm not a, I'm not a big gamer, though, to be honest. But I have a PlayStation. Oh, OK. All right. I mean, listen, man, fair enough. Your system. Uh, favorite sneaker? Um, Jordans. OK. And then if you could have a one on one matchup with any player in NBA history, who would it be? Ah, oh, wow! Jeez, um, I know I'll put you on the spot with this one.
2: Yeah, um, you know I had I had heroes growing up, but obviously like the likes of like Steve Nash and like you're watching like Jason Kidd and and all this stuff. But I think growing up, like I've already played against LeBron. I think okay. my answer, my answer would I would obviously get absolutely destroyed. But um,
0: <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> Listen, it's okay, go. TJ. My, my, Michael Jordan destroyed half the league, man. So, I mean, <laughs> it's cool. I, I hear you. <laughs> All right. that was T, That's TJ McConnell, former Philadelphia 76ers guard, current Indiana Pacers guard. TJ, I want to thank you so much for taking time and joining us today. We definitely appreciate it, man. Thank you. No Thanks, problem. Man. Appreciate Th- it. Thank you for having me and uh, you guys stay safe. Absolutely. You stay safe as well. And we hope to see you in a couple of months, man. Absolutely. Cool. All right guys, so that was TJ McConnell. Cam, TJ had some good things to say there, man. I mean, he talked about he uh he talked about like a, a bunch of different things with, with us and honestly, I I kind of get what TJ is saying about like what what went on between Jimmy and Brett. It's one of those things where that like that like that really isn't kind of like the rest of the team's business That's kind of like between Jimmy and Brett.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, that's something like you said, something that just went on between them and having having that just going between them is just really their thing. Uh, TJ, I thought that he was, you know, very um, honest, you know, with everything. So it was just good to hear uh, his point of view.
0: But, yeah, like that whole situation, uh, and I'm actually happy that TJ actually uh, cleared cleared the air there. J- just because a lot of people, like, really swore that everything right. that went on in that meeting uh, in Portland between Jimmy and, and, uh, and Brett was, like, a shouting match. And, right. Uh, J.J. Redick actually mentioned it like on that podcast that I referred to when we had T.J. on. Uh, J.J. pretty much came out and said that um, it really wasn't a shouting match. It was just kind of like a, you know, a conversation back and forth. And listen, Yeah, t- just
1: a healthy, healthy conversation. Yeah, exactly.
0: And T.J. brings up a good point that these guys are stars. And as a star, as a, you know, a basketball player, you want to do everything you can to help yourself and help the team get better. So I really like what T.J. had to say there. It kind of clears the air on a lot of different things. And honestly, I'm very interested by his answer there at the um, when we asked him about Kawhi's shot and, and really what yeah. went through his mind. And for him to, and, you know, at that moment, the first thing that comes to mind is, damn, is this going to be the last time I throw on a Sixers uniform? I, I mean, like, like, if we're going to be completely honest. And yeah, TJ brings up good points because he really did not play much throughout that whole right. playoff series. Not just against Toronto, but he didn't play much right. against Brooklyn either.
1: Yeah, just towards the end of that whole season, he wasn't getting as many minutes as he used to. I mean, you know, he was the backup point guard for Ben, but then as the end of the season started coming around, Jimmy Butler, they started throwing him more as that secondary point guard, um, you know, with that second unit. So it's like, hey, uh, TJ obviously has a good skill set and is valuable for, a franchise, you know, backup point guard is valuable for any team, but it's like, like he said, is this the last time that that was the place that he had spent his first four years in the NBA? So, you know, at that point, it was the only franchise he had known. Now he has, you know, very similar role in Indiana, so it's good to see him um, doing good things there. I think that was that's a good fit for him because Indiana they play at a similar. But they play, you know, at a very moderate kind of pace, Um, you know, very mid-range oriented team with T.J. Warren there as well. Right. So um, I think that's a good fit for him.
0: Yeah, I think it's an absolutely good fit for him. And I really do believe that he made his mark in Philadelphia. But the the way the Sixers were kind of moving and and progressing forward and the fact that they, they did have Jimmy last year uh kind of like it, it made the Sixers want to maybe utilize Jimmy just a little bit even just, like you know just a little bit more kind of have him handle the ball in certain situations have the ball in his hands a lot more especially right. when you consider the fact Cam that Jimmy was the one guy on the Sixers who had a ton of playoff experience compared to everybody else y- exactly. you know yeah, because like Jimmy's never been to a conference final or anything but Jimmy has won playoff series before in Chicago and he, you know, he took the Timberwolves to the playoffs for the first time in, you know, 14 years, you know, in his one season in Minnesota. So he does have, uh, you know, the most playoff experience on that team. So well, how didn't he, um, hadn't he been in the One Eastern Conference Finals,
1: though, when uh, the Bulls played Miami? He wasn't there yet. He wasn't there yet? Okay.
0: No, not yet. Um, But I thought he was, too. I had to double check that. Okay. But but no, nah, Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't there in 2011. But the way the way it is, though, you know, Jimmy was the one guy who had the most playoff experience out of that group. So I get what Brett Brown was trying to do. But, you know, it also it also isn't really fair to a Ben and TJ even in a sense, because it's like you've been doing something one way all season and then you're going to randomly make a drastic change, such as that one in the middle of a second round playoff series against Toronto. So it kind of goes both ways there Um, in terms of Ben and Joe. Listen, I'm with TJ. Like, the, the, the amount of criticism that Ben and Joel continue to get is just insane, especially when you consider the fact that Ben Simmons, in my opinion, at least Cam, is a top 15 player in the league today, like, regardless of position. Yeah. And then it's the same thing with Joe. Like, I think Joe – if he, like, if Joel isn't top 10, he's also top 15 at least. So we're talking about two of the best players in the league. And actually, Cam, we talked about this in our last podcast when we talked about um, The Last Dance and, you know, Brett Brown's comments and everything else. These guys, you, you don't win championships two or three years into into your career. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, exactly. For the for the most part, you have to develop and go through your lumps and continue to grow. And it takes seven to eight years. Like you don't just snap your fingers and you win a championship. You have to grow. Right.
1: Right. Because, I mean, you look at through history Magic, he had one of the best rookie seasons, you know, NBA history. do wins a championship, plays all five positions when Kareem was out during the one game uh, in the 1980 NBA Finals. So yeah. it's like, hey, that's a very rare type of thing with Magic. That, this really doesn't happen too often where a, a young player um, is pivotal and makes a mark and, you know, lead, helps lead a team to a championship. It just doesn't happen. And so Ben, Ben Simmons is 23. Uh, going on 24 and Joel's in his mid twenties. So it's he's like 26, hey, 26. Yeah. These guys still have a lot of time left to, um, you know, grow as players and Joel, he's heading, you know, he's getting closer to his prime, but it's still like, Hey, like you said, top 15 player in the league. Um, they just have to learn how to win at a higher level. That that's just the the spot that they need to get to. Um, coming, going forward, they need to win at a higher level, and you know, play. You just continue playing basketball at a higher
0: level. Exactly, and and, and that's going to come. Like 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 everybody yeah. thinks that like you know, and 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 I, and I guess to kind of piggyback off your Magic Johnson example, the only one that really comes to my mind is Dwayne Wade winning a yeah, title. Yeah, in, him too. Yeah, yeah, like winning a title in his third year. And but again, like like that's because a Miami went through a war the year before that. I don't know if you remember, but they were one win away from the NBA Finals of 2005, but they lost in seven games to Detroit. So he already had that type of lump, that type of experience. And then you added Shaq, and then right. you added like Antoine Walker, and Jason Williams, and James Posey. All the experience you know, around him. Proven guys. And, you know, Wade had a Jordan esque NBA Finals, if we're going to be honest. he I mean, he averaged 34 points a game in, in that 06 Finals oh, wow. with Dallas but it, it was one of those things to where he had a, he already went through all the lumps and he had all that experience around him. That, that That's not, that's not the same here with Ben and Joe. And I feel like TJ really hit it on the head uh, when he really described the criticism that they receive because Cam Ben, Ben Simmons does everything else at an elite level. We're talking, he's an elite defender. He, in my opinion, he should be up for defensive player of the year. Therefore, if we're going to be completely honest, he should be absolutely up at least in the conversation. And then, Joe, well, can throw that team on his back whenever he wants. Like the two of them, just I think it's a bit much.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, going back to the experience piece, the one player on the roster who can, you know, really provide that more experience is Al Horford. Uh, yeah. Al Horford, he's been to the conference finals, has never been to the finals, but he has that deeper playoff experience. So, you know, so we always talk about, oh, this team is built for the playoffs. Well, that's where Al Horford could potentially be a, you know, more impactful player for the Sixers.
0: Yeah, that's kind of where it's all going to be. And I'm telling you right now, um, whenever the playoffs do begin, which it kind of, it's kind of looking like mid-July. Brooklyn Nets guard Spencer Dinwiddie tweeted out July 15th on uh, Thursday the 21st. So July 15th, you play like five quick games. Uh, for you know for the finish up of regular season, I'm gonna put that in quotation marks and then go straight into the playoffs. That's where Al Horford's definitely going to uh, make his presence felt. And and I've been saying that for a while. This team really is built for the postseason. And I kinda then that's why I understand what Brett Brown's saying and, and what El Brand is saying that you know when the playoffs roll around and you gotta slow the game down and you're focused on two guys, they're gonna be hard to stop offensively because you have two big guys and Al and Joe, and they're going to dominate in the paint. And then also other thing is, they're gonna be hard to score on defensively because of how Al and Joe protect the rim. And then on top of that, you have Ben Simmons out on the perimeter, Josh Richardson out on the perimeter, Tobias Harris has improved as a defender. It is something that really changes a lot of different things for that team. And, uh, I, I, and that's why I really understand why, what Brett and Elton are saying, that they're built for the playoffs. It's very simple.
1: And You know, Brett Brown, you know, saying the team built for the playoffs, he's definitely right. Al Horford brings that experience. And Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid have had a couple experiences of their own. Game seven, Kawhi Leonard hits the shot. Um, they're almost, you know, a, you know, basically a shot away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals. Now, who knows if they would have won against the Bucs. I don't think they would have, but, you know, at least they would have gotten to the Eastern Conference Finals and gotten that higher-level experience that I was talking about earlier. Uh, I think – I've always said this. I think the thing that Philly really needs to do to um, elevate its offense is take Ben Simmons off the ball more, use him more as a screener, use him more in the dunker spot. And then – I and I think in this draft, whenever the draft is, they should really focus – on getting a, you know, a wing similar to Josh Richardson for off the bench or they should get a backup point guard in, like, the mold of Trey Jones to really kind of take some of that pressure off Ben Simmons to be the the sole kind of playmaker on this team.
0: I agree. So, I mean, like, there, there is a lot of pressure on Ben not only just to score and come up with a jump shot, but also to make sure everybody else gets involved as well. So, I can agree with that. I think the biggest thing that they, that really bothers me about this team, though, is uh, the fact that they did just let J.J. Redick walk the way they did. I, I mean, obviously, J.J. came out and said, you know, it wasn't like an Brand said, you know, get out of here. We don't want you. We want to bring you back. But I feel like that they definitely should have thought about the impact of not having a shooter like J.J. Redick on that roster, which is why in the, in the draft, um, whenever whenever it is, they should definitely go after a guy like Sadiq Bey or um, Tyrell Terry or Jamias Ramsey. Um, and, then yeah. if they, and then if they want to be able to go after a ball handler, I mean, Kira Lewis Jr. is another guy that like we, we've highlighted a lot on this podcast and, and something that we've talked about. So definitely going to be interesting to come see uh, what they do. So uh, I want to end off this podcast uh, this way, Cam. So the NBA pretty much, had, pretty much set it out like this. They want to play five regular season games, and go yep. str- and then go into the playoffs after that. Try to get every team to at least up to seventy games. In the, right. case, in the case of Philly, that's five games left. So this does give Philly a little bit of an opportunity to maybe avoid Boston round one. But I've always said I think Boston is their best, you know, matchup. Um, I would not want them playing Miami round one if I was a Sixers fan, just for the simple fact that. Miami employs a zone, and for some reason Philadelphia struggles against a zone. I wonder why. No shooting. Paging JJ Redick. So, uh, maybe, like, would you rather have these five games if you're the Sixers and trying to move up? I mean, actually, I know you would. I know you don't want them playing Boston.
1: Uh, I mean, you know, I, I think Boston is a, a tough matchup for them, but I think that Philly is going to have some problems basically with any team it faces, just because. Its offense is really so underwhelming. Um, you know, Boston, I think, is other than Milwaukee and Toronto, the the best defensive team in the East. So they would the Sixers. They'd had they'd have trouble against a bunch of teams in the East. Uh, their offense has to do better. You know, they have to make shots at a higher clip, and uh, that would really be the focus for me in any series. I just think that Boston would present to them the most problems because Ben Simmons has historically struggled against Boston. And I feel like, you know, once you, you know, basically take Ben Simmons out of the game, Billy becomes you know, a relatively marginal team. Um, you know, Joel Embiid, it's not like he can create for others or anything like that at a, as, at the level that Ben Simmons can uh, so I don't think Joel and Bede would be able to, I mean, I, you know, he probably would do well, but I don't think it would be enough, you know, to overtake Boston. That that's such a good team.
0: I feel it. I just, I always go back to the fact that like Boston doesn't have enough bigs. I feel like to handle Joel and Al, like, I don't, I, I'd rather have Joel and Al than NS Canner and Daniel Tice. That's just me. But like, like my biggest fear, my biggest fear for them though, is with, I guess Miami. Um, the fact that a, the Heat do have Butler. And Butler's probably going to be motivated to like look at Brett Brown every single time he gets a bucket in the fourth quarter to just stare at Brett Brown. Uh, that's one. And two, Miami's zone defense just continues, continually, uh, you know, baffle the Sixers in and and all of their matchups. Philly was able to figure it out once. But I feel like it was just it was just because Miami just got done playing Chicago the night before and they had to go to like overtime to beat the Bulls and then they had to come out to Philly. So I feel like it was more of a fatigue factor more than anything. That's just me though. Um I just I, I would pick Miami to beat them in probably six or seven, if they match up with the Heat. Where whereas if they played Boston, I'm taking Philly in five or six. No,
1: definitely not in five with Boston. That that wouldn't be happening. If they won, if Philly won that series, it would be in seven. It Man. would be, it would be like, it would be as you know competitive as the Toronto series, in my opinion. It, it'd have to
0: be in seven. Oh, because you're gonna have Ben and Joe fully healthy now. So. Yeah, I
1: mean, they've been fully. Well, not Joel, but um, you know they they've had their roster in the playoff, pretty much their roster in the playoffs. So
0: in the past years. Not not with not with Al and Josh, and like like you get a full season, with, you know, with Tobias and everything. I feel like it's a difference make difference maker. I mean, if you go down the list, Boston really only has an advantage on the wings because of how terrific Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have been this year. Just, just for me, for me, the, the game slows down. I can't see how uh, Boston slows down Al and Joe in the paint. Just don't don't see how it works.
1: I think though too. I just thought another thing that Philly could really attack is Kimball Walker. Um, Kimball yeah. Walker is not really the most locked down guy. He's not a very good defensive player. Um, I think that they could really attack him, find ways to um, take advantage of that matchup with ben, ben Simmons, you know, creating in the middle. Obviously, they wouldn't have Kimball Walker on Ben Simmons. But it's like, hey, who does Kimball Walker guard? On that, you know, large starting five, um, he's not guarding Joel B, that's for sure. He's not guarding. I think he might guard Josh. He'd probably guard, yeah, Josh Richardson, and that's still even a relatively tough matchup. Because Josh Richardson's around six five, right? 6-5. Uh Kimba's like six one. Yeah. So, you know, that that would still be a tough matchup, and that would have to be he would have to be on Josh Richardson because he's not being on Tobias Harris. He's not being on Ben Simmons unless, like, he gets caught in some ball screens or something like that. Um, and he's definitely not being I – and mean, then yeah, unless he gets caught in something, he's not being on a Forford or a B.
0: Right. And then on the other end, when Boston has the ball, you got Josh uh, – probably going to stick Kemba. And then if it's not Josh, you have 6'10 Ben Simmons on him. And then if it's not those two, you bring in Matisse Thybul off the bench to guard him. So, I mean, like, there are so, so many different ways that I feel like Philly could stop Boston.
1: I see, but I don't know. That, that's the thing, though. Boston's Kemba's, – Kemba's offense is so much better than his defense. Like, Kemba's offense is, like, miles better than his defense. Of course. Of course. Kemba, I think mean, Kemba's going to cause problems for pretty much anybody offensively just because he, he's that good. Like, he's good. Um, and Jason Tatum, best player on the team, he's going to cause problems. Um, regardless of the man. He's going to, you know, do his thing. Uh, Marcus Smart, he can always have – we always talk about Marcus Smart having just a – what like a random three-point shooting game, so he could have his his random shooting happen.
0: (laughs) I will give you that. That is true. He will randomly make like eight threes in the game, and then he won't make the next game. I get it. Huh? (laughs) Yo, for real. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. So – Listen, man, I mean, like, we'll kind of see what happens. Uh, either way, the fact that, like, we kind of have an idea now of when basketball right. can return, I'm, I'm definitely I'm, – I'm getting excited by the moment. Um, today's May 22nd. And even Milwaukee Bucks co-partner, co-managing partner, Mark Lassery, was like, yeah, I expect it in six to eight weeks. So that puts it on, like, the same timeline that uh, Spencer Dinwiddie tweeted out about July 15th. And, yeah. you know, like, we'll probably have training camp by the end of June. So I'm definitely excited, man. We need this. Um, We're moving forward, trying to get a little bit of normalcy back. It's going to be great. So with that being said, for Cameron Fields, I'm Kai Carlin. Big thank you to TJ McConnell for uh, joining us today. We appreciate him and all of his insight. And uh, you got got anything last to say, Cam? Guys,
1: I have to bring this up. Kai has been doing extensive. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> on whether he should get an Xbox One X or a PlayStation 5 for these next-generation consoles. He, he, it's like he's doing, like, a scientific study or something, and it's just a video game system slash entertainment system. So, you know, tell him that he needs to get the PlayStation 5 because PlayStation <laughs> is the superior system.
0: Listen, I need to do my research. I'm loyal to Xbox. I am loyal to my Xbox, man. I had okay. the original Xbox. I'm still rocking my 360. I need to do my research. He said he's writing a research paper. Quote, I am. I'm already, I'm already three sentences into it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like that episode of SpongeBob when he uh, when he like went all in on that on the, the to begin his essay. <laughs> the, like, 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 like that's where I'm at right now. I'm at the okay. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, dude, we're out. We'll see you guys next time on The Bell Ringer.